Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Chris. We love film reboots. Uh, maybe some of them. I find your lack of faith disturbing. We love reboots so much, we've decided to make a podcast about them. You can do it! Every week, we'll dive into a different film and its reboot. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! We'll talk about the pros and the cons. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. And at the end, we'll decide if the reboot holds up. You have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. This is the Reboot Rewind. And welcome to the Reboot Rewind. I'm Chris. And I'm Jordan. Another week, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I got some good news. So I just want to give a major shout out to my older brother, Chris, and my sister-in-law, Caroline, for having their first child together. And yeah, first time I'm going to be having a niece and I couldn't be happier for them. So I just wanted to say congratulations if they're listening to this episode for the Reboot Rewind. That's amazing news. She just delivered the baby uh, at 3 o'clock, 3.30 this morning, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. That's very wow. right. <laughs> what a great day. For, for, yeah, right. For what, what a great day. What, what a great way to start this amazing episode, right? <laughs> for sure. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, welcome to the to the Reboot Rewind. This is the podcast all about movie reboots. Every week we talk about two different movies, the original and a reboot. Uh, last week we did three movies, but this week we're back to two. Today we're going to be talking King Kong. So we'll be discussing the versions from 1933 and then the reboot in 2005. Uh, so I'll start off by giving some movie facts and then we'll throw it over to Jordan for this story. <laughs> King Kong came out in 1933. It was directed by Marion C. Cooper and Ernst B. Schrodzak. It was produced by Marion C. Cooper and also Ernest B. Schrodzak. The screenplay was by James Creelman and Ruth Rose. It stars Faye Ray as Anne Darrow, Robert Armstrong as Carl Denham, and Bruce Cabot as Jack Driscoll. And Jordan, let's go over to you for the story. Wildlife filmmaker Carl Denham ventures with Captain Englehorn for his new film. Denim roams the streets of New York City searching for new talent. He encounters a young woman named Ann Darrow and promises her the adventure of a lifetime. Denim and his crew board up a ship and reveals to his crew that they are about to enter a dangerous island known as Skull Mountain. They enter the island and witness a village of natives preparing a ceremony for a woman to be the Bride of Kong. Denim and his crew are spotted, and the native chief offers six of his women for Anne, a.k.a. the Golden Woman. They reject the offer and leave the island. That evening, the natives kidnap Anne from the ship and place Anne on an altar where she is offered to the almighty King Kong. Now, Jordan, I am super excited because we uh, I, I texted you over the weekend with a list of my notes blacked out so you didn't see what I actually wrote, but... There was a couple of things on there. Uh, I am very curious to hear uh, your thoughts on the original King Kong. I'm a little nervous because once you sent me that picture, I saw the notes, but it was just blurred out in red. I was like, oh, that can't be good. Well, obviously, you didn't want me to read it because you want to save it for the show. So my initial thoughts for the original King Kong that came out in 1933, I thought it was wonderful. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched this movie in its entirety, and I'm sure I was probably a teenager when I first watched this movie. It surprisingly holds up very well. For somebody who's not the biggest fan of giant monster movie flicks, I gotta say, I had an awesome time re-watching this movie. It's better than I remember, and watching movies like King Kong reminds me on why I love the movies. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on 
King Kong 1933. I'm actually kind of surprised you you liked it that much. So we'll talk about that. So this is the first time I've ever, I've ever seen this movie. I mean, I've, I've seen the reboot a couple of times, but I've never seen the original. And I went into this thinking, even like after the first five minutes, I'm like, I'm this is going to be a, a nightmare for the next hour and a half of my life. I ended up actually liking it. I mean, I have my list of things that I didn't like, and there's a, quite a list of those. But overall, I did enjoy the story. It does start off a little slow throughout the film, but it does pick up. And, you know, I actually really enjoyed the overall story. It was fun to watch. I love monster movies, so I think that's part partly why I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to enjoy as much as I did, but I was pleasantly surprised by how good this was. Oh, man, I was so nervous. I was really nervous because I was like, oh, my goodness, Chris is obviously going to hate this movie because it's an older film. It came out in 1933. I get it. It's in black and white. I have a lot of friends who are not the biggest fan of black and white films slash old movies, so I completely understand because most people didn't grow up with movies like that in our generation, so it's it's safe to say, so I completely understand. But yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, dude. This movie was a fun ride. I was very much in shock how much I enjoyed it because it's it's been many years. I was I had to be maybe 13 or 14 years old. So honestly, rewatching this film again felt very new to me. And I'm so happy that you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And that's the thing. You can like I said, I always say this for most of our uh episodes for the Reboot Rewind, you can show this movie to a new audience and i think if they have an open mind and if they can put it in perspective i think they will genuinely have a fantastic time watching this movie all right so i i do have a list of things that i found like as much as i did enjoy this it wasn't perfect and to be fair a lot of the things that i did find were specific to the time period so it may if you're watching the movie back then you wouldn't have thought about a lot of these things i'm, I'm about to bring up uh but watching it now there, there are some issues. So let's start off by saying that this movie does play into some really bad stereotypes. There is a character who's who's the, he's the cook of the ship who is Chinese and he is dressed very stereotypical Chinese, uh, has like the really long mustache, has a really small cap. Now, I could be wrong in thinking that, okay, this was maybe this was era appropriate for that time. Maybe this is this is what someone on a ship uh, who's a cook would wear. I'm not really sure. I just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. That's just personally speaking. I will also say that and we'll talk about characters in a second. But Jack Driscoll uh, starts off very chauvinistic as much as I enjoyed this. There were a lot of different scenes that I was like, okay, that's a little strange. And why would someone say that? For example, there is a, there is a line in the film where uh, the, I believe it's the, the, the Chinese cook who says, crazy black man been here. And I'm like, oh. So it's like, it's things like that where you look at this film, you're like, okay, I have to understand this was filmed in 1933 and times were different than a lot of language and dialogue was more allowed or you know wasn't frowned upon as much back then but overall yes the movie is great but I don't, I don't think it holds up in terms of today's standards in regards to honestly how we treat people yeah maybe i could maybe i should take that back prior when i mentioned how you can show this to a new audience and they'll enjoy it but maybe not everybody because in terms of what you were saying earlier yeah i do agree because they, there were a few stereotypes, especially with the Asian character. But the one thing that I do got to admit, which I really enjoyed about the Asian character, that he was played by an Asian man. 
back in the day, uh, they used a lot of Caucasian men to portray Asian characters. So, you know, they were whitewashing back in the day. So seeing a Asian man being in a film that like, you know, in an American film in 1933 was a huge accomplishment. Yeah, you know, there were a bunch of, you know, stereotypes and maybe it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way, such as yourself. And I completely understand for good reason. Your reasoning is very valid and understandable. So I'm not going to be mad at you for that. But like I said before, I try to put it in perspective. It's like when you watch a movie like Gone with the Wind and Mammy is playing a black stereotype nanny named Mammy. So... Yeah, I, I I get it for the time. It may be a little bit uncomfortable watching it today, but I unfortunately I understand the time and I understand when films like this were filmed. This is a, it was a completely different era, so I try to give it a free pass. Unfortunately, I'm curious what what were your thoughts around the the character dynamics or just let's take it one by one. So let's start with Fay Ray, who plays Anne Darrow. What were your what was your opinion overall of Anne Darrow? And Darrow, for a character like her, you know, obviously she is clearly the damsel in distress. I thought she was fine. I really didn't care for the romantic relationship between her and Jack. I felt like their connection didn't really work for me. I mean, they were still written pretty well for the overall story. But every single time they were trying to share a romantic scene together, I didn't really feel it. And, uh... Yeah, I think that was, you know, the whole damsel in distress aspect. I felt like that was done on purpose. You know, I, I don't, she, she, to me, she obviously wasn't the heroic type of, you know, character. But yeah, uh, I, I didn't really love Anne Darrow. What about you? No, I feel the same way. I, I think that she is a typical damsel in distress. I consider myself very, very pro-woman, very pro-strong woman. So seeing Anne Darrow uh, in the film and her not being very strong like throughout the entire film she's damsel in distress i I don't think she thinks for her for herself she lets all the men around her make the decisions for her whether it's dara whether it's carl denham she doesn't make a single choice for herself think about it throughout the entire film every choice that's made that involves her is made for her so that that did bother me a little bit from her being casted in, in the diner with with uh with Carl, the, the director, throughout the ship, on the island, there is not one decision that she makes that is for herself. She doesn't speak her mind. She doesn't she doesn't speak up or even defend herself. She kind of just goes goes with the wind. And you do have to remember this was this was again 1933. So film standards were a little bit different. You didn't see as many female-led heroic characters in these genres. And to your point, I think I think it was on purpose because they needed someone to save. Right. And throughout the entire film, it's actually kind of funny whenever they I don't know. So have you played the original Donkey Kong game where you have to like jump on the different platforms to get to Donkey Kong? And he like takes the princess that keeps going up. So think about this movie in as a game throughout the entire film. When she's captured by Kong, Driscoll and Denim are trying to find her. But every time they get close, Kong realizes it and he takes her to another place on the island. So it reminded me so much of Donkey Kong where like the hero just is right there. They're about to save her. And then she's taken away again somewhere else. So they have, they have to keep looking for her going forward. That being said, yeah, I, I didn't really care for Anne. I understand her role in the film. She's damsel in distress. Maybe she wasn't meant to have her own personality. Maybe she wasn't meant to be a strong woman. And I get that. But as someone who likes to see strong women in films, wasn't a big fan of her. 
That's fair. That's fair. Because I'm so glad you brought up Donkey Kong because I'm not too sure if you know this. Donkey Kong is the inspiration from King Kong. That whole dynamic, the whole game is based on King Kong. So since you were drawing that comparison, that's exactly where they got it from. Fun fact. So when Nintendo released Donkey Kong, they were sued by the production, the, the studio that that made king kong because of the name kong they were the studio was trying to say that they own the rights to the word or name kong and nintendo was like nah that's not how this works and the court and obviously as we know the court agreed with nintendo because if they didn't we wouldn't have donkey kong today but but that was a fun fact that's cool i did not know that i I obviously knew, I mean, for me, I knew that they were heavily influenced by King Kong, but it's not like Donkey Kong is named King Kong in the video games. Like, obviously, he's a completely different character. It's, you know, it's okay to be influenced by a previous property. That's, you know, I wouldn't call it plagiarism, you know, but you know, you know what it is. I understand a lot of companies, they want to figure out some sort of way to sue somebody else if they're, you know, grabbing some sort of inspiration or grabbing some sort of idea from another studio. So I get it, but come on, dude, you, now you're, you're reaching seriously. I, I feel like the, the people who created King Kong, they're obviously reaching a bit. No, for sure. And like, I love King Kong, but I agree with you. I, I think they were, that whole case was reaching. You can't monopolize on just the word Kong. If I understand. So if Nintendo came out with a game called King Kong, I would get it. That's absolutely right to sue. But in this case, you can't monopolize just half of the word and then say, oh, that's ours. You can't use it. Uh, so earlier you brought up the love interest between Anne and between Jack. And I'm happy you did because one of my notes here says there's a scene on the boat where I was like, what? So literally after knowing each other for maybe a day, Jack goes, I love you. I'm like, excuse me? And she just, and so Anne's just standing there. Her face throughout the entire film is so just like confused. She's always looking around like, I don't know what's going on. But at this moment where he, where he professes his love after knowing her for almost no time whatsoever, she just goes along with it. And then they make out on the boat. That is changing later on in the reboot. But in the original, and maybe this was the way that film worked back then in terms of getting across character relationships they didn't focus so much on building to that they just kind of threw it in there for like oh hey by the way now they love each other it felt like they were trying to dumb down the audience like okay the audience gets it let's just have two characters in the movie fall in love in like five minutes they just fell madly in love with each other and the audience will just accept it maybe back then in 1933 it was very emotional and heartfelt but for today's standards, we need to see two characters actually build a, I don't know, a relationship. That's what, that's what, that, that's how I would watch, I would want to watch a movie. It doesn't have to be, you know, three hours long in order to get these two characters. But in that time frame, I felt like they could have at least build up into some sort of a romance. And clearly they didn't in this movie. No, great. The audience starts to see that they're getting closer. They're starting to see maybe they're talking more. Maybe they're holding hands. But to go right from I just met you to I love you, in today's age, that'll get you locked up. That is not something you go on the street and just go up to a woman who you just met and go, or man or woman, doesn't matter what it is, and say, I love you. And who knows? Maybe it does happen. I don't know. I like to think that it does take time to build a relationship to get there so that you when you do get there, it, it it feels right rather than feeling forced or rather than feeling 
like you're trying to check off a box on your life list. I completely agree. It didn't feel earned at all. It, it it really, really didn't. But I don't know what the filmmakers were thinking. But maybe that's just our minor criticism. So we we mentioned how we're not the biggest fan of the relationship between Jack and Anne. Overall, the ensemble cast was pretty was done very well, in my opinion. I, I still overall like the collective cast members. I I, I thought the uh, cast was done very well. I loved Carl Denham. I loved how no matter what happened to his men, whether they lived, whether they died, this man was money hungry. He wanted fame, success, and greed. If you if you would find if you can find the word greed in a dictionary, his face will be there. Near the third act of the film, when all his men died, he still was like, all right, let's, instead of just trying to leave Skull Island, or Skull Mountain, as they would say in the film, he didn't care. He just wanted to capture King Kong and make money and show the world Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. No matter what happened in this movie, he did not care. And he was a bit selfish, but he was still a very well-written character. I'll give him that. I agree. I mean, I would I would classify him, you know, sorry, kids, he's kind of an asshole. I'll say it throughout the entire film. Yeah, he's he's super greedy. He's care. He cares only about getting the end product of a film, which I also found weird because aside from when they first land on the island, when they first in- interact with the, the natives, they don't carry a camera after that. They go back to the boat and then uh, Anne gets captured. They go after her and that's they don't carry they don't carry any cameras with them. So think about it. Now they're now they're looking for Anne. When this is a perfect opportunity to bring your camera to film what's going on, which they do fix in the reboot. We'll talk about that. But in this version, they're walking around the island looking for Anne, looking for Kong, and they don't have cameras. There's no way to to to, to film any of this. So I do understand why the point was to bring Kong back to New York. That kind of saves that error in a way because you can just say, oh well, you know, the the intention was no longer to film, but now to capture Kong, but. Up until that point, at least for me, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so now you're looking for Anne. The whole purpose of this trip was to get film. And now the majority of this film is taking place in the jungle and they don't have cameras. Shoot, I did not even realize that. I did notice, obviously, when they first uh, entered Skull Island and then they see the natives doing their tribal uh, you know, ceremony. And they were recording, but that was the only frame where they brought their camera. But yes, throughout the rest of the film, they did not have a camera unless somebody had an iPhone on them. Yeah, I was I just I just found it weird because again, they fixed that error pretty easily just to the plot, like, okay, we're gonna bring Kong back. That just that that just fixes that entire issue. But I just thought it was weird because up until that point, and you know, yeah, because and that maybe that bothers me a little bit because I throughout the entire time I'm thinking, okay, they're there to shoot a film. And now they're now they're going more on an adventure looking for the dance on distress and, and Kong. And that little, that bothered me a little bit. I'm glad you mentioned that whole entire, you know, era that they made throughout the whole film. I didn't even really notice it until you brought it up. Uh, you know what I really liked about this movie? Once the uh, men enter Skull Island and they encounter the natives, I thought it was pretty cool how one of the Americans, they knew how to speak their language. I thought that was pretty cool. And they were trying to exchange... You know, uh, one of their women versus uh, Anne. I thought that was, it was funny. I mean, listen, it was from a different era. I completely understand it. But I felt like they 
did something a little bit different in the remake, and we'll obviously get to that in a moment. But I thought that whole sequence was done pretty well for its time. I agree, and I was I have a comment on that too. So I like the fact that the natives are speaking their own language because it make it, it makes it more natural, makes it more believable. Uh, because if they started speaking English, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> let's take a step back for a second. <laughs> uh, but I, I liked so I, I think it was the captain that spoke the language, and, and it was so at first I'm like, oh, I wish I knew what they were saying. But then if you think about it, the captain's explaining everything. So, you know what? That's the way they save it. That's the one time I would have wished for subtitles just to see what the, what the natives were saying. They do save it, and I think it's, it's done really well in having the captain speak the, the, the native language. So, yeah, you know, for me, I don't think I needed uh, subtitles for that whole sequence because I thought it was pretty cool that the captain knew how to speak their language. And for me, as an audience member, I don't think the subtitles was necessary because he was telling his men what they were saying he kept saying you know one of his men kept saying asking hey what are they saying and he was just he was uh, translating for them the whole entire time so i didn't think that was necessary in my opinion so when they first land to the island they see the wall right and they see the big gate where where we don't know what's behind there yet now if you look at the island and the wall the wall doesn't go all the way around it's supposed to it's 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 assumed that the wall goes all the way around but if you look at the if you look at the photo, every time they show that whole island, there are breaks in that wall. So that brings me to my next point. If you go back to it, you can see that that wall does not go all the way around the island like it's supposed to. And we it's assumed it's discussed as if it does wrap around the entire island. But it was just some sort of failure on the art department that didn't essentially didn't build a wall around the entire island. Now the reason I bring that up. So th there's a scene where they're, they're first opening the door, the large door, and we're like, what's inside? And it's just the two pillars where they're going to, but they're about to sacrifice, you know, Anne to, to Kong. Now, if all that door was blocking was the jungle behind them, like it wasn't like it was a room, it was the jungle. And the wall isn't completely around the island. What really stops Kong from going, oh, let me just go around the wall. Wow, I did not even notice that. I guess I was just so immersed into the movie, I did not realize that. And so, so essentially, what you're saying is it was just a door necessarily. It wasn't really a gate. Yeah. So you see the door, and then you see the actual wall that's you know going around it. And if you look at it, you do see a wall that covers the front of the island. But if you take a look, because I look for mistakes. If you take a look at if you take a look closer at the photo that they use the the wall only it stops at a certain point but you can still see island where there's no wall oh wow so one of two things it could be one they painted the photo to make it look as if if you're looking at the wall at a certain direction you wouldn't see the wall because your eyes would be kind of looking straight ahead so it would look like there was no wall there maybe that's what that maybe that was the issue uh, or it's exactly what i just said where they just for they just didn't add additional wall because my first thought is because again, I look for mistakes. If Kong, if the that door cannot be the only thing holding Kong there, if there are parts of the wall that just don't exist. You know what? Now you're you have given me an excuse to go back and watch this movie because I did not even notice that. All I kept seeing was that big ass door. Right. Well, it was a gate essentially, and I was just totally immersed, and I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And this movie came out in 1933, and I was in awe. Now I got to go back and rewatch that scene. I'm glad you brought that up. I feel like I'm ruining for you. <laughs> but I will say the set design was really dope. I really like the set design. When you get when you get a close up of the gate and you know the, the wall that we do see, 
Uh, it's really it's done really well. The 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 fact that the the doors actually open like that, and they had the big I guess the big stone slab that was keeping the door closed. I think that was really cool. Like overall, I really like the set design. I was impressed considering what t- what era it was. I, I'm glad you brought that up because, like I said before, obviously this was directed in a very very different era where we don't have the tech where they didn't have the technology like we have today. I thought the way it was shot, especially for its time, looked great. You know what I also loved about this movie? How this movie didn't feel rushed, even though this movie was, I I believe, an hour and a half, if I'm not mistaken, when they entered Skull Island. They get to Skull Island within the first 20 minutes or so, and it, it felt just right. Earlier, maybe the first 15 minutes was a little bit slow, but for a movie like this, it flowed very, very nicely. It, it was nice and tight. For sure. And I have one last note before we uh, take a break. Towards the end of the film, I, I started to feel really bad for Kong. So I wrote down, white men came to his island. They came to his island. They start up trouble. And then they bring him back to New York against his will. And then they try to kill him. And they killed him at the end. So if anything... The the humans are the are are the bad are the the bad guys in this movie. I I'm fighting for Kong. This this poor creature was was forced out of his habitat, and all they had to do was leave. Wait wait wait! You just said white men entering somebody else's land and bringing them back to their land. What does that sound like to you, me? You know, I, I didn't even think about that until you said it. I'll be honest. <laughs> Like and it's it, yeah, I don't I can't even say anything to that. You're right. That's that's exactly what it is. But I I felt dude I felt super sorry for Kong towards the end. Like he didn't deserve any of this. Uh, he was forced to do all these things. All they should they they should have just left. Like the natives told him to leave. And to be fair, they stole uh, or they kidnapped Anne. So I get why they went back. That makes perfect sense. But I still feel bad for Kong. It's something something to think about. I don't know. But next. We're going to talk about King Kong from 2005, but we're going to take a small break here from word from our sponsor. Please keep it locked here on the Reboot Rewind. And welcome back to the Reboot Rewind. So we just spent what I think was a very fruitful conversation talking about the original King Kong. Uh, but now we're going to move on to King Kong that came out in 2005. I'll give out some movie facts. We're not going to talk about a story because it's literally the same story as the first half. So King Kong came out in 2005. This version was directed by Peter Jackson, produced by Jan Bacon, Caroline Cunningham, Fran Walsh, and Peter Jackson. Screenplay was written by Fran Walsh, Philippa Boyens, and Peter Jackson. It stars Andy Serkis as Kong, Naomi Watts as Anne Darrow, Jack Black as Carl Denham, and Adrian Brody as Jack Driscoll. So Jordan, what were your thoughts on the reboot? It was decent. I remember when I saw this movie for the first time, and I remembered feeling underwhelmed. So, Chris, when you watch a film, you want to enjoy it like you're enjoying a delicious sandwich, right? So, for this film, all the ingredients are there, but unfortunately, the bread was stale and a bit moldy. The meat patty was undercooked. The tomatoes were a little soggy. But at least the American cheese was perfect because that's hard to screw up. That's my analogy I want to say for this reboot. It was edible, but not the best sandwich. That's how I would like to describe this movie. 
yeah, it was okay. Not great. I can still enjoy it and eat it, but I'm not. I'm like, you know what? I'm eating this thing and I'm not really loving it. There are elements of it that I enjoyed, but there's a lot of things that I didn't like about this movie. It's just, it's in the middle. I'm in the middle. I didn't care for it as much as I loved the original, but this one was okay. What about for you, Chris? What are your thoughts? I mean, I'll start by saying that the sandwich you just described is one I would never want to eat. <laughs> But 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 that being said, so similar to Psycho, when we reviewed Psycho, uh, we called that a shot by shot remake of Psycho, which is true. I would consider this a scene by scene remake, as in the story follows literally the same exact timeline, and it should because it's the same story. It's 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 too specific, right? Like even certain lines are recycled in this film. They they make a few changes, which, you know, we'll talk about. But overall, this is it's just too close to the original. They couldn't do their own thing, which I think is what made this film not as good. I liked it to your point. It was it was it was tolerable. Uh, it wasn't something I wanted to turn off. I unfortunately, it's two and a half hours. So, you know, longer than the original and n- not better, which that that's not a good equation. You're right. This is essentially a scene by scene remake and it was too much like the original where I felt like Peter Jackson as much as I love Peter Jackson. I'm sure you love Peter Jackson too because he's a master at filmmaking. But this was too much like the original and it wasn't original. And and that's the thing like I don't mind same story beats but i feel like they just took the exact same movie but just stretched it out unnecessarily because it was way too long and that's one of the things i want to mention when it comes to cons because so like i said before we all know peter jackson masterfully directed the lord of the rings trilogy amazing series the third movie was nominated for 11 academy awards and it won all 11 i believe that's the only movie in film history that ever done that so as much as i enjoyed those movies Going into this movie, you know, there were this, like I said, this was way too long. Like I, three hours? That's uh, once they get to Skull Island, it's like an hour into the movie. And we finally get to meet King Kong at like one hour and ten minutes. It was just so unbearable and so unnecessary long. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I will say that the characters are better. In this version, in terms of like, I, I I care for them more. I will say that Naomi Watts does a great job as Andaro. I think she does bring more personality to the role. And, you know, I overall I I liked her in this film. I I liked Anne's character more in this film. They do change up a little bit. So the original Andaro is just she's homeless, right? So she is, you know, we see her going into a soup kitchen. She is looking at an apple. Doesn't steal it. She's looking at it. But she's homeless. And then she is found by the director. And that's how she gets on the boat. That's how she gets to Skull Island and, you know, that whole thing. In this version, it's a little different. Anne Darrow is an actress who essentially gets fired because her show closes. And in this version, she does steal the fruit and gets caught. And that's when Jack Black's character, who's a director, comes and saves her. Now, in this version, Jack Black, this project isn't approved. Like, he is this, like, scumbag director who owes people all this money and the studio doesn't want to pay for, for for the film. So he ends up just like stealing a boat, stealing all the crew, and then going to Skull Island. In the original, 
that film was approved. It was, you know, they, they all everyone was was you know paid allegedly, but they do change up the characters a little bit. I I, I loved uh, Adrian Brody in this. I thought he was like the cool, calm, collected Adrian Brody like that we that we know. But yeah, I think overall, I definitely cared more for this cast than I did than the original. I completely agree. The only main criticism I had with the cast was unfortunately Jack Black. Now. I don't want to pretend like I didn't like him in this movie. He wasn't bad per se, but you know what it is? When I watch a movie, I don't like to see the actor. I like to see the character. So our last episode when we were when we were discussing The Dark Knight, when we watch Heath Ledger on screen as the Joker, I don't see Heath Ledger. I see the Joker. And I'm not just talking about makeup. What like when I see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I don't see Robert Downey Jr., I see Tony Stark. Watching this movie, Jack Black did a serviceable job portraying Denim, but I kept seeing Jack Black, and I know he's supposed to be essentially the comedic role, and I know he's supposed to be, I guess, not the heart of this movie, but it was mainly it revolves around him. He plays a very, very primal role in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I'm a big fan of Jack Black. I, I I think he's hilarious. I I love most of the films that he's in. Uh, I don't think that he was cast. I don't think he should have been cast for this role. I don't think it, it fit. To your point, I didn't see Carl Denham. I saw Jack Black. And even the way he was talking didn't really fit the era, right? He was the only one that was kind of st- like sticking out from the rest of the cast. But did you notice how as the, mo- the film moved along, he took a back seat. At some point, he is... You know the main character. He's in in all the all the scenes with dialogue. As it starts to move, he takes a back seat. He is quiet most of the second and third act uh, because he's filming. And in this version, they actually do bring cameras into the jungle, so that was great to see. But the 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 focus from the story shifted from him to Anne, Darrow, and Kong, and really focused on them, and really focused on Jack trying to you know, find her and struggling with his feelings for her. Like, does he love her? You know, is is he too afraid to take a chance? But you see, there's a huge shift where I, I kind of forgot Jack Black was in the movie halfway through because he didn't really have many lines. He was very in the background. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say he's the focal point or even like the main character. I think it, start, it, just, it just happens to start off with him. But the movie does eventually shift to, I think, which are two are who are better characters and Darrow, Andy Serkis as Kong, Adrian Brody as Jack. So I don't know if you, re- you noticed that, but I, I, I noticed a very strong shift in the focus of characters. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, the great Gatsby. I felt like the first half was mainly focused on Tobey Maguire. And then the second half, it was all about Leo. You know, I don't know if you got that, 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 that experience. So yeah, you're right. The first half is heavily focused on Jack Black and then it's it essentially moves towards that storyline and then focuses more on Anne Darrow's character. And and I guess you could say Adrian Brody. So essentially it, it's it it just shifts. He just he's literally filming, like like you said before. I'm glad you brought that up because this I feel like this one did it right versus the original film. For some reason, I don't know how I felt about the let's call it what it is, the romantic essence of the film between kong and Anne. no for sure and at, at first i'm thinking to myself i hope i, I wonder if this is going like to, towards like a romantic angle 
And then as it kept going along, I'm like, no, it's not that at all. It's, you know, think about it this way. So Anne, her entire life, and they kind of referenced it earlier, but Anne, her entire life has been let down by someone, by something. Nothing in her life has has ended up good. Or and no one has cared enough about her to 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 help her or to, you know, stick stick around. Now here comes Kong. While not human, is an is an entity, a creature that has taken a, a, some deep affection towards her. He saves her from those lizards, even though he didn't have to, because he pretty much left her. And then he hears her screaming and goes back to save her. So from her perspective, she's like, this is the first thing or creature that has ever cared enough about me to come back for me, not just leave me. So I think for her, it was a, a connection that she had faith in and she had invested in time in. And for Kong... Kong's lonely, dude. Like he spends he spent the entire his entire life on the island alone, fighting creatures and even the natives. The natives are creepy, by the way. We'll talk about that in a second. Those natives are very creepy. Okay, you're right. All right, you're right. All right, the, the, the way you were able to articulate that. Okay, fine. You're right. I'll give you that, Chris. I'll give you that. You're right because I don't know something about that third. It was a, it was there was a scene where in the third act where we have Anne and King Kong and they're in New York City on the frozen ice rink and they're just you know spinning around in a circle playing in the snow ah, it was just I, it was cute but it was also a little like okay it's still a gorilla <laughs> yeah I, I don't know maybe maybe i'm just maybe i'm just heartless i don't know no i thought it was cute too but my the only thing the only thing i was thinking the entire time was man that's a gorilla that ice is gonna crack and then you're both screwed like i was fully <laughs> i was i was fully expecting the ice to crack and them to fall through uh, but instead, we got gunshots. So, you know, here we are. Okay, so let's talk about the natives. Because they, they were definitely different in this version. I, I was expecting something. I got something totally different. So in the original film, uh, the natives are what you expect natives in film to see to look like. They're human. They have face paint uh, covered in feathers. They have their own language. In this version, they're, they're, they're kind of demonic, right? They are a very unnatural color. Their eyes are kind of yellow, goldish like really bright and they're all they're all like growling and even their teeth were kind of ground to look like spikes it was really strange but i i I wasn't feeling it in this version for me personally yeah i completely agree that was there's no other word to describe it they were demonic even that little kid he was just demonic looking and uh it really took me out tremendously because i felt like I was watching a horror movie. Like I, I felt like uh, the guy who directed the Conjuring movies like hopped into the director's chair, and it was giving me creepy vibes. Even when they were doing their rituals on the drums, like you know their pupils were going back, and you saw it was white eyes. It was just creeping me out, and I felt like they decided to make this into a horror movie for like five minutes, and then they decided to move away from that because. I am so glad that the native people weren't in the movie for that long, but I couldn't wait for them to be off screen. It, it was, it was just creeped me out and I didn't, I felt like it wasn't necessary. No, I agree. I think, I think it, it changed the tone because up until then we were getting a pretty, a pretty decent action adventure movie, like definitely an adventure movie. And then it just, it changes genres to horror. It just came out of nowhere. It kind of felt like, you know, we're being slapped in the face. Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm sorry to mean to cut you off. In the third act of the film, they do a little tribute from the original film when they when uh, once they capture King Kong for attractions, 
they that whole ritual they they redid that. I think that was like an a uh, tribute to the original film where where you saw the tribal people on stage. I felt like that was a throwback from the original film. We all we well, we all could agree this is in terms of visual aesthetic and cinematography. We can agree that this film is significantly better compared to the first one, right? I would hope so. I don't know what it is because there were a few scenes in this movie where some of the special effects took me out a bit. So, you know, previously when I mentioned how I thought Peter Jackson is a, you know, he did a great job with the look of the film, the aesthetic, the cinematography, right? The green slash blue screen effect for me was a little bit of a distraction because especially the scene where we have the stampede of dinosaurs, they were running and the humans were running between their legs. First of all, that, that that looked terrible. I don't know about you, but it looked awful. I mean, oh, it was just eye rolling, and oh, I I wanted to seriously like gouge my eyes out. Like it was so bad. That whole sequence, first of all, it went on forever. It was like fifteen minutes long. That chase scene was way overdone. I loved how, no matter how long that sequence was. The humans, that yeah, they were still running in the same pace. They weren't tired. The whole entire time, I, I felt like it didn't feel realistic. Yes, I know. We're talking about a movie with a, a 25-foot dinosaur and a 25-foot gorilla. I, I, I completely understand that. I understand it's still fantasy. That scene started to take me out so bad where I kept going back to my watch again going, how much longer is this going to be? Because... It was just pulling me out immensely. The actors just didn't flow well with the green screens. Like you can tell they were just out of place. My TV exposed this movie. Like to the point where I was looking at the green screen, which looked so dark compared to the characters. And you could see there was a white outline around all the characters as they were running. It just it looked like they just were out of place. So it was I think it was just it was my TV that just like exposed how bad the effects were and i don't know maybe maybe they, they didn't need a, a running scene right like if it's, gonna, if it's gonna look that bad just don't do it the the way king kong looked looked great even for 2005 standards i was i couldn't believe how well the effects were just just the just king kong himself the the creatures I mean, l- l- listen i'm not the standard of excellence so obviously they the, the filmmakers did a better job than i could do I just felt like a lot of the fight sequences and the chase scenes did not look right. Even when they got to New York City, eh, I, I don't know. It's just you can easily see the green screen and, and, and the blue screen effects, and they were absolutely jarring. And no, let me tell you, New York has never looked that clean ever. It just looked like it looked like to your point. It looked like the what tourists think New York looks like. This like spotless, beautiful shops. It just looked it looked too perfect. It did not look real. Did you notice at the end, uh, Jack Black's character uh, says the same line that was said? Oh, yeah. yeah, and I thought that was kind of cool. And that's how I knew the movie was over. And that's then that's why I got happy because I too was looking at the time when I was looking through as I was watching this, and I would see how far the little dot was on the timeline, and I was like, "All right, I'm not at the halfway point yet. How? How? And we haven't even seen the the monkey yet. What is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> he said we haven't even seen the monkey yet <laughs> what is going on oh my god i'm so glad about a load of this because i just kept every like 15 minutes i kept going oh my god i got a 40 i got an hour and 45 minutes left 
Jesus Christ. He said, we haven't even seen the monkey yet. Oh my God. I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. And then it, it became Jurassic Park. I was like, I don't know, man. It's just. Uh... I was, I was just going to say, I, I forgot I was watching uh, King Kong. I was like, am I watching Jurassic Park? What is going on? <laughs> I'm like, did Steven Spielberg decided to hop in the director's chair? What happened? Did Colin Trevorrow decide to hop in the director's chair? Is it Peter Jackson who's directing this movie? Jesus Christ, what happened here? It, like, like I said, this movie's not terrible. It's just, it's just forgettable. It does. It, it's just, I have no desire to rewatch this movie ever again. Yeah. So here's the other thing. So there's a scene where uh, Adrian Brody's character is like covered. In in I, they look like like grasshoppers, but they're huge. Uh, and then the there's the kid that's with them that the he's like he was I guess he was found by the captain. I forgot his name, but he pulls out a gun and he starts shooting the insects while they're on Adrian Brody's character while he's moving. You cannot tell me there is that there was no possible way he didn't get shot. Yeah, it, it was he was just shaking back and forth, waving his arms. I'm like. Bro, you are a horrible shot. Like you're terrible. Yeah, that that whole scene was just one didn't make any sense, and two just really creeped me out. Do you think that the uh, this version holds up? Nah, not at all. I don't think so. I mean, I mean, like 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 I like I said before, the, this movie's not terrible, but I don't think I could recommend anyone watching this remake because it's it, like there are things about it that I enjoyed, but I I just couldn't wait for it to be over because I was just having such a mediocre time watching this movie i obviously like the dynamic between kong and Anne. i thought that was very well done some of the special effects were well done but overall it's a shot by shot well not shot by shot but it's a scene by scene remake and i'm glad they decided to, t- to change up the dialogue yeah not the biggest fan of this movie and it, it really doesn't hold up as i was hoping it was going to so uh yeah what about for you chris yeah, I I'm kind of surprised because it's very rare when I like something as old as the original King Kong, but in this case, yeah, I would say the reboot doesn't hold up uh, only because it's they essentially did a, they they copied the original film. They just made they made it look better. They added new dialogue, uh, but overall, it's you know again it's a scene by scene remake. Again, I, I didn't hate it. Uh, you know, I I would watch it again if someone wanted to. Uh, it's again not something I would seek out myself. But, you know, I, it has some rede- some redeeming qualities. I think that the film fixes a lot of small details that the first one got wrong. So that was kind of cool to see. But, you know, I, I would still say the, f- the the first one is better. All right. So that was, a well, I think, an awesome conversation overall about King Kong. Um, so here's the thing. We are starting something pretty exciting next week. We are starting Horror Month. So all throughout the month of October, uh, we will be discussing horror films. So next week, we're starting off with one of my favorites, Child Play. We're talking Chucky, baby. It's going to be all next week, starting off the the, the horror month. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to talk Chucky. I haven't seen the original in a while, but I, but I love it. And there's there have been so many Chuckies out just in general. So it'll be fun to, to have this conversation next week. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I can't believe that we're going to tackle on Child's Play. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's been a while since I watched the uh the original film. That movie came out I think 31 years ago. Oh good lord, have mercy. Oh uh, yeah, no no yeah no no 33 years ago. I think it came out in 88. Oh god, oh god, Jesus Christ! I can't wait to talk about it though. 
we were just born. That's crazy. We're pretty stoked for uh, for Horror Month, and uh, we hope you are too. So, you know, follow us on social media. You can find us on the Reboot Rewind podcast or just pod. Our website is RebootRewindPodcast.com. There is a link there as well if you feel so generous to donate. We really appreciate it. Uh, but until next week, we wish everyone an awesome weekend. Hopefully, it does. It doesn't get too cold, but winter is coming. And we will see you next week on the Reboot Rewind. Take care, guys, and remember, it was beauty that killed the beast. You've been listening to the Reboot Rewind podcast. To get in touch or suggest a reboot, send us an email at info at rebootrewindpodcast.com. That's info at rebootrewindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.